represents the prophets that um, wrote the scriptures. And it was 40 different men over a span of 1,500 years. But they were all inspired by God. Because if God was there in the beginning, he's the one that wrote the Bible. He was the one that created all things. And so he's the author and the finisher of our faith and of the scriptures. And so he knew what had happened. But he inspired these men to write it down as for us to be able to understand what things revealing God as the author. It is without error and it's without contradiction. And the, so that we can believe that this is the basis of our faith, that this is truth, and we can stand on this truth. We are not, we are forbidden to add or subtract from the scriptures, from the Bible. And God's desire is to have a relationship with everyone, so he's given us this word, and through it we can know him and experience his love. Awesome. I bet y'all were wishing you went before Judy now. <laughs> Hard act to follow. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, there you go. You get to pick. Let's do that's I like that. It's like the there we go. Uh, so the second one is on the idea of creation, and so only God was at the beginning, so we only actually have one source that is credible for what happened at the beginning, and uh, which ties into the first one of the idea of the ones who <coughs> were inspired by God. And so we have creation, and it's a pristine picture because everything that God created was pristine. It was perfect. He's a perfect and holy God, and therefore he cannot create anything that isn't perfect or holy. Um, we also uh, know that God is a triune God throughout creation as we created, and God is a is a plurality and we. And um, what else was this? Right on. Uh, See, <laughs> I'd maybe just change the plurality of God to like the kind of the idea of the Trinity. Yeah, one, three persons in one being. And a eunuch was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not there yet. Not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, take it away. That's right. Everyone's their descendants. Awesome. <laughs> Don't make it. I see you looking at me. <laughs> you were here for those ones, though. <laughs> you know, in all honesty, that's where we start. That's where we start. Yeah, you did. <laughs> represents that God created um, spiritual beings like angels, um, and they're all to serve Him, and that's their job. And despite all this, um, Lucifer, who this this picture depicts raising his fist sort of to God of heaven, um, wanted to raise himself up 
to be at God's level or above God, that because his beauty sort of blinded him with his pride. And so he sinned, he was the first one who sinned, and he was proud and he wanted to be like God or be God. And, um, and so since God is supreme alone, there is no one else like him, um, he also can't tolerate sin in his presence, so he cast um, Lucifer down and <coughs> a third of the angels down with him to the earth, and that's where they are to the present day, I think, mostly. And, um, and so one of the reasons why God can't tolerate sin is because he is holy. And um, in his perfection and purity and holiness, that's why he did that. And um, this picture also shows us that in Lucifer's sin, God despises all sin and how we are also sinners. And so um, it leads to the idea that we also defy him in our sin and God doesn't tolerate that. So <coughs> we haven't gotten to the next bit yet. So, or of the redemptive plan. But, um, and then the, I think the last thing is that God prepared um, punishment for Lucifer and his followers in the lake of fire where they'll have eternal torment. Yeah. And, um, and so that is very sobering. And until the time at which God finishes the judgment, um, Lucifer and his demons will be roaming the earth. Mm -hmm. So all sin must be paid for. That's the last little bit. That's good. That's really good. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> I did Oh, you did last one. Okay. I'll give it to Andrew. Okay. You're going to defer? <laughs> And uh, we, last week we were saying, Andrew, that you don't have to read, but if you need that as a kickstart or just a memory jogger, do, do as you wish. So you have a picture of Adam so and Eve holding the forbidden fruit left, one of the left. Number five, yeah. yeah, the fifth so picture. This one. No, one over. No, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> In Canada, we generally go top left to right. <laughs> okay, let me just see here. Yeah, gather your thoughts. Okay. <laughs> Kind of just the attributes of God and just attributes of man that you're seeing in these pictures. That's kind of what we're... Okay. So, um, the tree... Okay. So God created two trees. Uh, one they were allowed to eat from, one they weren't allowed to eat from. And uh, they um, they ate from the wrong tree, and uh, they were um, deceived. Or I guess Eve was deceived by Satan, who was uh, the serpent, and Adam did the same. Ate it and. Uh, And that's when the bad stuff started happening. Yeah. Yeah. Just a question. Yeah. You said that this was in beta form. God didn't only create two trees. <laughs> I just thought, like, maybe that one said, I don't know. He created many trees. Right. Yeah. Yeah, two special trees, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, yeah, just focusing in on one, they're not to eat of, one, yeah. they could. So, yeah. 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 Yeah
But yeah, it makes it, yeah. There was plentiful. There was abundance. God was good. And there was these two trees in the center of the garden. Just, just, yeah. Sometimes I think like when we, you know, when you think of the kid's story of this, it's almost like there's a focus on these two trees. And it's like, you kind of forget that like we were talking of all these types and varieties. It's like, there was so much. It's not like they were longing for these like, this one tree they shouldn't have. Like, God was, he was lavish. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good, good uh, note. That's what, in the cartoons, it's two trees and they're labeled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're out, and it's an apple tree, right? Yeah. No. no. The For the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what is that? Father of the Bride? Or, um, what's that movie? It's like, you think I switched this cup and I was going to drink it, but it's Princess, po- Bride. Princess Bride. Bride. Not Father, I was going to say Father of the Bride. <laughs> yeah. All right, Anna, did you what kind of fruit was it really? pick, pick one more person? What kind of fruit was it really? How long we don't know. It doesn't say, so we can't speculate. Fruit. It wasn't a vegetable. I think we know that much. But it did look good for eating. Yeah. But it's bad. It's bad, right? Ugly. Yeah, cat fruit. Just kidding. <laughs> one more person, Andrew. One more person? Do you want to go? I guess I could. I have do you want a uh, flip book with you? Or do you want to just wing it? Yeah. So, so tell us the bigness of God or the, and some of the whatever's going on with man there. Okay, so here, God comes down to, uh, to do his daily visit with Adam and Eve, and he calls out, Where are you? And he finds out that, even though he already knew, he, he says, Why are you hiding? Well, he didn't say, Why are you hiding? But he found out that they were hiding, and then he asked, did they eat of the forbidden tree? And, and they said, yes. And so uh, God uh, starts punishing them because God can't look at sin. And, and uh, as, as, as a result, he... Uh, He starts asking Adam, and then Adam starts blaming Eve, and then Eve starts blaming the playing playing the blame game, and so then uh, God pronounces the uh, the judgment on basically. Awesome, yeah, and that pretty much picks us up where we where we are today. So, welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome. Um, so, I'm just telling everybody our our handout today. The review is actually empty because I wanted, as we were sharing, for people to fill it in. Um, so one thing that I just want to kind of wrap up here. Uh, remember they were told if they ate from the, the tree they were told not to eat of, they would certainly die. And then here we see they're still living, so we really unpacked that last lesson, and I'm going to ask some of you guys to dive into that for this review specific to last lesson. But we all, I just want to say that God was merciful and gracious here because they weren't... What happened to Lucifer with his one sin? Cast down. Cast down. It was instant consequence, right? And of course, there are some instant consequences here, but do we not see God's mercy and grace already playing effect in Adam and Eve? Yeah, that's okay. It's just I want to make sure that we, we keep driving that one home because we're going to see so much of that throughout all of the word that, as we study. Um, right on. Does somebody want to tackle just kind of last lesson? Um, we talked about um, 
the separation from God, that was our hook. I'll leave it at that because that's what's already given. Um, can somebody just tackle that? It's just got to be, you know, a couple sentences. What did we talk about? Just so to jog our minds into where we are tonight. Right on. Yeah. Anybody want to add to what Amy had? That was really good. The pygmies, then after that, they had animal skin after that they had, eh? Yep, we're not there yet. Let's try and. That's the next picture. Anything else stand out from last week's lesson that uh, people want to sort of recap? Yeah, give it. Give her. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they tried to cover themselves with the fig leaves, which is interesting that they were trying to fix their own problem of shame and how it didn't quite work, and then we'll get to what we get to today. With yeah. The yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good. Cool. Yeah, that's really good. They played the blame game. Uh, they, they betrayed each other by acting in, in selfishness, and so there was a lack of trust between them, as you were saying, the different levels. They disobeyed God. They thought they could hide from him. Um, they covered themselves, thinking an external solution would fix an internal, now, uh, brokenness. Um, immediate separation from God. So we talked about, does anybody remember that Christmas tree? The idea of that Christmas tree? So anybody want to unpack that? What we pulled out of those truths of death? When the tree is cut off, it still looks like it's alive, and then, like, it's in the process of dying. Yeah. And that's like us, um, the cut off of God, that death is still there. I mean, physically, we're still alive, but spiritually, uh, we're not abiding in the roots. We don't have the fruit coming in through the roots anymore. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. They were told they would die. They hadn't seen death. You know, they just had to trust God uh, for what he meant, that that wasn't a good thing. And so, yeah, like a Christmas tree is just cut off from the roots, immediately death is beginning. So they are, just as with Adam and Eve, physical death has begun. That eternal relationship is no longer an eternal relationship. And then spiritually too, even though they don't, maybe, we don't see it externally, they're, they're dead spiritually now. And they're totally dependent on God to intervene to make things different because on their own, helpless, hopeless. Um, so we, we differentiate it between death being physical death and spiritual death. Both took place with disobedience. Um, yeah. Awesome. I have written down here, the, uh, it awakened the voice of conscience. Right, yeah. The, the, exactly, the, the discernment, or not discernment, but the... They took in their, into themselves the desire to call right and wrong, good and bad, good and evil. And uh, I really like how the Bible Project guys 
say that, that, you know, man took it into their hands and, and we try to redefine good and evil. And we can see today what we call good is really by biblical, what God outlines as biblical standards is not good. And what we call as bad, um, the Bible says is good. <laughs> so when we take what Adam and Eve did, when that, we're born as sinners because they're our ancestors, that's handed down to us, um, we try to redefine good and bad, good and evil, and, uh, and it works out very poorly. So tonight, fourth lesson of catastrophe. The title is The Deliverer. Um, the primary hook is, is judgment and the deliverer. So God's judgment on Adam and Eve we're going to look at, and, uh, and the promise of a deliverer. So we're actually just focusing on really two verses tonight of uh, Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Um, but we're gonna, going to unpack what's kind of leading up to that by diving into, I think it's, we're going to be in Isaiah, we're going to be in Romans, um, but uh, we're going to still stay in our chronological format. We're just using that as supplemental scripture to speak into the narrative of where we are. Fair? So yeah, at this place, point in time, um, God has revealed some pretty dark things that took place after creation of all things. Um, he is gracious. He has told us about this in his word for our warning. Um, we've learned that God's enemy, Satan, who wants to destroy uh, anything close to God, uh, so his image bears, he went in and yeah, as you guys were reviewing, you know, we're destroyed Adam and Eve by, by tempting them to also um, be like God, to disobey God's command. They gave in to the temptation, they believed lies, they chose to submit to Satan, really, other than, rather than God, and so disobedience, sin entered. The tempter in the garden was external until they internalized that, and, and sin was born within their hearts. Um, and so, yeah, as Amy said, fear, guilt, shame, vulnerability, separation, all uh, took place, set in. So, did Adam and Eve, at this point, humbly admit their sin? Nope. Even when God said, where are you? What are you doing? What happened? Push the blame. Push the blame. Blame game. Exactly, yeah. Avoid responsibility. And you see people doing that today. Avoid responsibility, eh? Um, blame the serpent. Blame the woman. Blame God. And so, um, their perfect relationship with God, was it perfect any longer? No. What was like this, tight, perfect, unified, and harmony, is now like this, pulled apart. Because of sin. So it's important that we, we grasp this bad news before we can kind of be prepared to understand all that's yet to come. Uh, as we've been unpacking where does evil start? Where did it come from? Um, why are we in the condition we're in? Why do we care? We need to understand all of what's been unpacked so far to continue. Um, <clears throat> so as we dive into today's lesson on the judgment, uh, or God's judgment, not the judgment, but God's judgment and the deliverer, um, there's going to be still a lot more truths embedded in here, and I hope you guys can pull them out and identify them and just throw them out there. I know you guys are a bit of a shy crowd. You don't like to do that, but uh, surprise me tonight. And, uh, you know, if you hear things, concepts, foundational truths that I don't bring up or I don't identify embedded in a text or embedded in what I'm saying, just say, sounds like whatever, whatever you're hearing. God's grace sounds like, you know, Something's owed. What is that? You know, I don't want to give that one away because there's one there. But So yeah, we're going to dive into sin, uh, sin debt. So before we get back into the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, we're going to 
go to Romans, Romans 1, 18. You guys will remember last week. Um, so last week I had a, a clear bottle, uh, just an empty clear bottle. It was clean. And that represented Adam in his uh, created corpse state before God breathed into him. I poured in clean water. That was God breathing life into Adam with a soul and a spirit, life. Um, but then I poured in black strap molasses, which represents the sin that Adam took in. And I shook it up. And uh, now this is Adam's in his sinful state, Adam and Eve. Um, and everything Adam does, the way he thinks, his actions and stuff are, are sin-based, sin-driven. And so... I want to look at what this, this whole contamination did. Um, could somebody read, yeah, Romans 1, 18 for me? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and, godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And then Romans 6, 23. Perfect. Let's pretend we didn't hear that last half. <laughs> Yet, it is the truth. So yeah, the wrath of God is being revealed. So there's a judgment. God doesn't just brush sin under the rug. It's not in his holiness, in his faithfulness. He cannot just turn a blind eye and forget it. Um, we're learning of God's grace and mercy, but that doesn't mean um, that he can't hold in tension his holiness and faithfulness at the same time. So we're hearing here in Romans 1.18 that there's godlessness and wickedness of people suppressing the truth by their wickedness their sin in romans 6 23 we're hearing something about wages um what is a wage how do you define it we know what it is but you probably don't define it what's earned earned? exactly what you something you've earned um but we often think of it in a positive sense you know i've earned 20 bucks today for shoveling that driveway woohoo um how about with Adam and Eve sinning against God? They're not only separated from God, who is, the, who is their total life source. While they still have physical life, they're still dependent on him. But they've also now, at this point, earned a sin debt. They've earned a wage, but it's a sin debt. Just like this bottle here. Everything, their actions, their thoughts, their intents. Sin, marred with sin. So with earning that, what does that lead them to? Where are they going? Yeah, physical death, spiritual death, and in the end, eternal death in the, lake of, in the lake of fire that was prepared for Satan and his demons. Guys, just so you know, I don't like talking about that stuff. Like, I'm not like a, a fear monger that wants to, you know, fire hell brimstone kind of, you know, old school I'm just talking about what the Bible is saying here, okay? I'm, I don't want to add my stuff. I know this can kind of be prickly with some people, um, but we're just unpacking what the Word's saying, okay? They've earned a sin debt, and that sin debt in their rebellion leads them to the lake of fire. It's, it, it is horrific. If that does cause us to cringe, good, because it's not pleasant, and there's nothing about it that's pleasant. Um, I really wanted to show you guys, this is my coworker, Dave Wright. Um, He's in Saskatchewan, and he's a mentor of mine. I really wanted to play this video of him doing this little illustration uh, because it's, it, it is truly his. Um, but I can't get the volume to work, and I've tried plugging it in and different things. So, um, so I'm going to do it. I, I'm just going to tell you the story. So 
this coworker of mine, he was also in Papua New Guinea, and I've flown into his tribe. He, he and a team of others uh, planted a church there among a tribal people group. And um, when they were there for the first few years, that you know, you do a lot of culture and language study. You really need to understand where the people are coming from before you can really begin to think of translating the scriptures or begin to even understand how they think. You kind of got to learn to think like a people group before you can really communicate effectively when it's such a drastically different worldview that you're communicating with and, and especially the deep truths of God's word. So one of the things that they learned when they were there is um, this is a shame-based uh, culture where he was in, that tribe. And, uh, and for the first couple of years, people would bring them like fruits and vegetables and just kind of drop them off at their door. And they thought, wow, these are like super generous people. Um, they were just thought they're being gracious. You know, they, there's these white skins and uh, these tribal men would just always give these gifts. And, and the missionaries at first, Dave and his crew, um, or the crew with him, were naive to the whole fact. So one thing that they learned a little later was um, because it's this shame-based culture, um, you would never actually go to an individual. Say, say I had a wedding and I, I needed a pig, so I went to Kevin and he loaned me one of his pigs. I had none. Um, so we had that pig for our wedding celebration. Well, Kevin's maybe getting married or having a kid. And so he needs to have, you know, a feast. He doesn't have any pigs. Currently, I do. So he's not going to actually come straight to me and tell me, Brent, you know, that pig I loaned you, I want it back now, or I want, you know, a payment in return now. So what he would actually do is he would grab a root. This represents a root. And uh, for how many of our pigs I would take or that he gave me, he would tie a knot. Please tie a knot. So I took a pig from Kevin. Um, he is not going to actually bring that to me and say, this is like, you know, your receipt, basically. He's going to give it to somebody and they, on his behalf, will give it to me. This is a way to save face and just to kind of call in your debts. And I would, oh yeah, this is Kevin. Kevin gave me this root. I, it was a pig, one pig, one knot, two pigs, two knots, whatever, right? So this, was, this symbolized, this was their debt payment system. And, and they still use it. Um, so one day, I guess Dave Wright got a vine with many knots in it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it was like a year or two in, so who knows what was owed, right? Like, like banana and mango and, you know, sweet cow cow or uh, sweet potato and all these different things. Well, he, he was lost because he, he couldn't even remember what it all was and if it was like going to be like an eye for an eye, like I, you gave me one, so I need to give you one, or can I just give you like 100 bucks and we're good. He didn't know. Well, in the same way, we're going to actually pull this illustration into our, into our lessons because it works really effectively for um, where we're going with it. And they actually use this in their whole foundational teaching also um, to, to develop the concept of a sin debt. And something you've earned, um, is not always positive, and then carry this all the way through uh, to the Gospels. So Adam and Eve at this point in time, they, they ate from the fruit from which they were told not to eat. And so they earned a debt, a sin debt. So one wrong choice, they earned a knot each in their, in their, uh, in their lives. One knot, one sin. Um, how many choices again did they have to make wrong to earn an eternal payment in the lake of fire? 
one. Same with Satan, right? Satan made one rebellious attempt against God, and he was booted out of heaven. Um, remember that any and all sin incurs a debt against God. And sin is against God first and foremost, even though it might affect other parties. Um, so this is a record, a record of Adam and Eve's sin against God. And we're going we're gonna to put this up on the board. God is holy. Uh, he is almighty. He is faithful. He will not just let this disappear, right? Do you guys agree? Do you understand that from what we're teaching so far? Um, so every sin that they committed, just added a knot, added a knot, added a knot. So we're going to pin these strings up, and we'll refer to them in future lessons. So at this point in time, Adam and Eve wouldn't have known about this tribal system, but uh, what are they going to do? They have got a sin debt against a holy God. They don't have any pockets to put their wages in anyways, so how on earth are they going to pay back God? How are they going to set the record right? God has to do it. So there they are. Adam and Eve sinned at ropes. <clears throat> okay, so they're cut off from God. They have a sin debt that costs them more than they can fully pay. They are under God's judgment and wrath. So not only for the physical life that they're living out, but from that point forward, without any intervention, that's the path they're on. God's judgment and wrath. For eternity, where is that? Oh yeah, I wasn't going to make too much work for us tonight, but remember the... Uh, toothpicks. The toothpicks, remember. So eternity, one toothpick, one year, you know, so five toothpicks. There's a lot of toothpicks in here. Eternity, <laughs> eternity, like if I were to dump this all out again, um, that's the lake of fire. It goes beyond, there's not enough toothpicks in the world, there's not enough trees in the world ever to make enough toothpicks to depict what eternity is. So an eternity of separation from God under his active curse of punishment. That's what they lined themselves up for. That's what they earned. They're our ancestors. We've earned that too. Is there any way that they can get out from this sin debt? Do they have anything that God needs? Yeah, God doesn't need anything, right? That's what we learned here with our chart. God doesn't need anything. He's self-existent. So there's nothing they can do on their own. Just as God initiated here in his grace and mercy, he stepped towards them in their sinful state here, separated from that perfect relationship, and said, what's happened? There they are, hiding in shame. They didn't even earn that opportunity. For God to inquire. So we're just going to see that time and again. God's extending. God's reaching. God's initiating. They didn't even know at that point <laughs> what they needed. Even, if, they, even if, if that was possible, they couldn't have done anything about it. Right? Remember how God instructed Adam to subdue the earth and fill it, to rule over the earth in Genesis 1.26? This was God sharing his rule with Adam. God was still, though, the ultimate owner and ruler. But now Adam and Eve, they're sinners. They're corrupted. They, they've made choice to separate themselves from God. They no longer perfectly reflect God's image in harmony and unity and holiness. They chose to listen to Satan. And so they've put in their pride, 
they've made Satan their king. Little king. But still, they've put themselves under, under Satan. So now they're living and responding. They're hiding in this fear-blaming, um, sinful manner. So again, what happened the moment Adam and Eve sinned? Separation. Physical and spiritual death. Yeah. In the same, like before in the garden, they had a protection from God. They, they've stepped out from that. I'm not going to say that they stepped out entirely from his protection, but in the, not in the same way that it was in perfection. They had God's protection there before. Evil was there because Satan came down. He was cast out, I should say. But God protected them. Now they've, they've chosen to step out from that, that fatherly care. We know that, again, God in his graciousness didn't just let them loose or let, let, let Satan at them just wholeheartedly. But in the same way that it was before, they're now vulnerable. It's not how it was before. You guys want to go with me to John 8.44? This is frozen on me. It wants to go backwards, but it doesn't want to go forward. Why did it do that? Who's the techie here? Well, <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, oh, I'll just fast forward it, but it doesn't really... Yeah, I'm trying to, oh, there we go. Let's go there, there. Just kind of had to hold my finger on the, on the whole thing for a moment. Okay, John, John 8, 44. Can somebody read that for us? Can you try? Yeah, go for it, Emil. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and a father of lies. That's right. That's right, yeah. So Satan and Adam, or Satan is now Adam and Eve's what? Father of lies. Yeah, father. We see that here. You belong to your father, the devil, Satan. How is he described? Father of lies. Yeah, father of lies. There's no truth in him. <clears throat> Murderer, yeah. Exactly. Liar and father of lies. There we go, yeah. Yeah, so Adam, he belonged to this guy, this, this father of lies, murderer, from the beginning, speaking his native language. Satan, devil, yeah. Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, we'll go there next, and then Romans 6.16. Second Corinthians four four and then Romans six sixteen. So Second Corinthians four four goes further by stating, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. What's the one thing that causes blind? We see today blindness. Yeah, Satan takes pride. 
And, and it follows this table that we have up here saying, God, I don't need you. Whether they say this cerebrally, intellectually, or if it's just in action, that this is the way they act. I don't need you. I'm able to overthrow the one who's created me and is my source of life, thinking that we exist by our own. I won't submit to anyone but myself. I have the say over my life and I'm good. There's no sin in me. Satan blinds and often using pride. Romans 6.16 teaches that we become slaves to the one we obey. Satan tricked Adam and Eve into submitting to him instead of God. And when they did, they became his slaves. They not only knew good and evil, but now sinful ways permeated every aspect of their being. Does somebody have 6.16 for me? There we go. So that's not me saying that. That's God's word. If you're submitting to sin, that is your God. You are now slaves to sin. A little different what he said. Servants. It says, I mean, servants. Servants. And this says slaves. Mm -hmm. 844, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now we have, we have evil taking, taking place. If you guys were to define evil, how would you, in a few words, define evil? Anything that goes against God. Anything that goes against God? Yeah. Yeah. Selfish rebellion. Yeah. I always get this kind of idea that it's like, it's actioned. It's sin that's been actioned. So, I mean, sin is evil, but I, I always, yeah, I just sort of say evil is sin in action for what that's worth. So we see people who are slaves of sin. They're, they're proponents of evil, whether they know it or not, and, and they're actioning it in thought, in word, in deed. So back to the story. Let's get to um, God promises a deliverer. We're going to jump into... Genesis, you can flip back there. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. So Adam and Eve have a serious death problem, physical and spiritual. We established that last lesson. Now we're talking about this sin debt. So their debt requires that they satisfy God's wrath and his holiness. And the only thing that will come close to that is payment for eternity in a lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his uh, demons. And at the same token, that will never fully satisfy. It's eternal. So it's not, that's why I was saying earlier, it's not a full payment. And while they live on as sinners, Adam and Eve, they're under Satan's rule, an evil ruler. And as we read one of our theme verses, John 10.10, the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. So this is who they've submitted themselves to. What a, what a terrible life they've chosen. Does God abandon Adam and Eve? He doesn't abandon them. There's consequences. but Yeah, he is loving. He is still loving. Listen as God shares the first details of, of his solution. Not that he didn't know he had to come up with a solution. It's not God's plan B here. But God, God offers a solution in dealing with Satan and the sin debt that, that they've incurred. So let's read. I have it here. Let's read this out loud together here. 
It says in Genesis 3, 14 and 15, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. All right. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, and we get these words. Let's pull it apart here a bit. Cursed. Crawl. Come on, pen. Apple pen. Not working. Cursed. Crawl. I know, yeah. One time use, right? Why is that working? Jeeper, this thing's hiccuping tonight. Anyways. Eat dust, it says there. How long? All the days of your life. Yeah. And then it says, talks about putting enmity between the serpent and the woman, crushing the serpent's head, striking the offspring of the woman. Who is God speaking to exactly? We know he's talking to the serpent, but who exactly is the serpent again? Satan, yeah. The, the liar and the deceiver, the adversary. So there's two levels of the curse going on here. God declares to the serpent. So describing them, we have, there's a physical, crawling on your belly, eat the dust. And then there, there's this enmity, this, this feud, this lifelong ongoing thing that's going to happen. Enmity between him and the woman. Um, enmity, hatred. What are other words here that come to mind? Hostility. Hostility. Just a tidbit of information, just a couple weeks ago or so, I was reading online, I think it was Fox News or something, but they were saying that scientists have now discovered that snakes used to have feet. Okay. Strange. Huh. And it goes right back to your head, upon your belly, thou shalt go. Yeah. Interesting. So it just <coughs> confirms. How many women are in existence here? One. One. Eve, right? Good. Just checking, we're still tracking. Given, given you guys some like, gimme answers out there, right? Good. So this verse is telling us that through one of Eve's descendants, God would provide someone who would crush Satan's head. Satan would strike the heel of one of this woman's descendants, but in return, there's going to be a crushing of Satan's head. And the one who will crush Satan's head any guesses? It? Don't give me names, but with our theme tonight, who is it going to be? Deliverer. There you go. You guys are good at this game. <laughs> Bless you. That's right. So in defeating Satan, the Deliverer will provide freedom from what? Let's break it down. Death. Death. The curse. The curse. Sin. Separation. Separation. Slavery. Satan. Yeah. All that. Darkness. Pains. Yeah, exactly. The rule of Satan. The power. Yeah, the pain, the suffering, the penalty. We're going to go to another key Bible passage in Isaiah uh, 53, 3 to 11, just to help us understand the extent of what the Deliverer would do for humanity. (laughs) You know, I just decided to throw it all up there in case anyone left their Bibles. I recommend you always bring your Bible. 
What we're going through is in God's word. It's not my words. Often, often what I'm projecting is NIV, and uh, I also like to read an NLT just for readability with our, a group. Apparently, within Ethnos Canada, they, a lot of our consultants, like our translation consultants, say that NLT is, in terms of just readability within the English, is kind of the best for um, just that ease yeah, and accuracy. So there's lots of other great translations. I like ESV as well. And anyways, I'm not going to start promoting translations, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like reading it in the, like, I guess more King James, because that's the familiarity part. Yeah, and the more, maybe a bit more poetry and yeah. kind of with the Old English. Yeah. That, that's literature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. I heard that there. Yeah. Does somebody want to read through this whole thing? Do you want me to read through this whole thing? It's a chunk. Do we have any volunteers? Sure. Kevin? Awesome. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offering and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, by righteous, uh, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered right with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercessions for the transgressors. Perfect. Is that in the Old Testament? Isaiah? This is Isaiah, yeah. Yeah. So iniquities are the sin, the wickedness, and the evil that people are doing. So we see some key phrases here that I would underline. I wonder if my pen is maybe dead. But uh, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, and he will bear our iniquities. So from these additional verses in the Bible, we can learn about what God's deliverer would deal with, how this, this wages that were earned, this sin debt from Adam and Eve, and then this inheritance, this deadly inheritance that we've got from our ancestors, this sin debt, how the deliverer was going to deal with it. So, but what happened to the, to the deliverer during that rescue. He would die. He would die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satan would bruise his heel, causing pain and suffering of his death. But would he be defeated? No. He would not be defeated. 
there would be a crushing of Satan's head there. God was making this declaration. Why do you guys think? God is saying this here. Do you think, think God was saying this for, for Satan? Do you think he was saying it for Adam and Eve? Yes, both, us, more, what? This in Isaiah, and then I guess also in, in the 3, 14, 15, that he'll crush, your, your descendants will crush your head. I think, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Satan, he knows what's coming his way, doesn't he, at this point? In uh, Genesis 3, 14, 15. He knows what's already his, his uh, wages. He knows eternal lake of fire. So he's saying this, kind of broadcasting it among the group there. But I really believe, as you're hitting the nail on the head, I believe, it's for the benefit of Adam and Eve, to give hope. God wanted people to know, that the, to know the deliverer when he finally came. And we see this in Isaiah for the broader, broader people beyond Adam and Eve too. So God put many statements in the Bible. We'll continue to see more just so that we could recognize and identify him. So to help us, I want to I have this chart here. I'm going to start tracking some of the prophecies about the deliverer. Um, I'll just kind of keep running it on the projector. Yeah, I think I'll just keep doing it this way. Hey, I thought I corrected descendants. I know that's a typo. <laughs> Shouldn't, I know that Becky sees it, so that, I say it for... It's phonetically spelled right. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Anyways, we're going to track this because there, there's like about 350 prophecies. We're going to not look at all 350, but there was many written thousands of years before the deliverer would come. And as we, jump, as we work our way into the Gospels, we're going to see fulfillment time and time and time again. And the likelihood of, these, of that many being fulfilled is, is uh, well, the likelihood, because we have a faithful God, is a sure bet. But for that to be repeated, never. But by anybody outside of God himself. Why would God, why would God make this proclamation, this declaration beyond? He wanted to give hope. He wanted to give maybe warning. Do you think God wanted people to know that it says in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, 15 that Satan masquerades as an angel of light? Do you think God wanted to help his image bearers to identify a deceiver, to identify the one who would attempt to lead them astray continually? I think so. To restore Yeah, ultimately to restore the relationship. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. God is all-knowing. So yeah, this isn't plan B. He knew this would happen. It says, when you eat of the fruit. God knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So let's go a little deeper. We also have, do I have this one here? Yes, I do. I have it there, death and Adam. I'm going to throw it here as well tonight. Um, but this is, this is what they've traded all of their harmony, provision, greatness in God. This is what they've traded, traded for. And this is what we inherit at death in Adam. This is where we are born. And if you're 
not in God's family, I'll just put it that way, this is where you remain. Sinners against God, separated from God, under the punishment of God, our bodies are physically dying, ruled or relying on our own abilities, ruled by sin in all of life, ruled by shame and fear, ruled by pride, which is blinding. Our spirit and soul, our spirit is dead as well. Spirit and soul will go to the lake of fire forever. That is what we get. That's our inheritance from Adam. Thanks, great-great-grandfather. That's our inheritance. That's our DNA. But the reality is for Adam and Eve and us, this is the wage. This is what's been earned. It's hard to say it, but it's true. That's what's deserved. That does not fall. I know you guys are nice to me tonight, but I know I would probably be flogged if I said that in too many places, that this is what we deserve. In our world today, we think we have freedom. But the reality is, is the world is under Satan's rule, and we are ruled by sin. People are blinded by sin, the pride, but God extends hope to Adam and Eve right here in Genesis 3. 15, deliverance at their most desperate hour. They are empty-handed. They have nothing. They're, they're grasping at leaves, <laughs> you know? They don't have straw yet. Maybe they do. What a kind God. What a generous God. What a gracious God. They earned nothing to have this opportunity. So God puts hope there. And how would you guys define hope? Again, it's a word we know, hope for tomorrow. We're in a season of hope, Christmas, but what is hope? An assurance of for what is to come. An assurance of what's to come, future looking. Hope is the first, the first, I think it's the first kind of an aspect, isn't it? Yes. Joy, yeah, hope, peace, love, hope, joy. Peace and joy. Joy, love. Joy, love, thanks. Yeah. What were you going to say, Amy? What was that? Confident. confident expectation? Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, because we can put our hope in many places, right? It's like we, we, we use the expression, like, I, don't want, I didn't want to raise my hopes, like that you were coming. So, so there is, we can apply hope in many areas and avenues and whatever in many people. Um, but God is talking of, of a promised deliverer, one to rescue. And, and he's giving them hope here, a faith that is forward-looking. Um, but as we, as we looked at God's attributes here, um, that he's holy, he's perfect, he acts perfectly, he's faithful. What, sorry, I moved this out of your way. What, uh, what do we think of when you think of putting your hope in what God is saying, what God is promising? Faith. Yeah, it's faith. faith. Is it guaranteed? Yeah. I mean, because I can hope that, you know, somebody's going to come to my house tomorrow. But that likely could fail me. When we've learned of who God is, <laughs> when, we, when we've learned who God is and we put our hope in Him, will He fail? No. no. It says even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. And we'll see that time and again. Let, let God's Word show us that. 
The other thing about hope, too, was, like, I mean, here they tried to do something within themselves, covering themselves up with leaves. What did God come to tell them? Was hope within themselves or was hope outside of themselves? External. External, yeah. It was outside of themselves. God said he was going to do something. Again, he was going to initiate. He was going to restore. He was going to do the work to set them free. God wasn't pointing to them saying, this is what you got to pay up. There, there was a consequence. He didn't want them, I don't believe, to spend an eternity in a lake of fire. He's as their loving God, the one who gave them life. He gave them hope. I think believing that they had an opportunity to be restored back to that relationship with him. What an amazing God, you guys, who offers mercy and grace and hope before implementing and requiring punishment, payment. I'm not saying there wasn't consequences. We saw shame, fear, guilt came in right away. But they didn't, not like Satan, they weren't just thrown down. Satan was thrown out of heaven immediately. Adam and Eve weren't immediately thrown into the lake of fire. Isn't that what they deserved? That's not what God gave them. He gave them time. He gave them a promise. So again, how sure could Adam and Eve be of that coming deliverer? Completely. That's right. Yeah, because it was promised by the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, totally loving, totally holy, faithful. So yeah, if you're going to put your hope in something, why would you put it in anything else other than God? Many religions and societies, I showed you guys this picture for diversity of people earlier, this one with lots of people, and really it's actually a picture of a lot of religions. I don't know if you guys looked closely the first time I showed it. You know, we got people that are doing, you know, piercing, or what is that called, self-mutilation, and hanging things, piercing things, bloodletting, you know, certain piercings, certain tattoos, and all of these are tied to fear, religion, thinking they could appease the spiritual realm, to bring peace in their life, harmony, unity. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of times today, like National Geographic, you know, looks at a picture like this, and they just, they strip it of what it truly is and say, this is just their art. This is just their culture. No, culture is not um, isolated or autonomous from everything else that those people have in terms of fear, sin. Um, a lot of religions and societies, they don't believe or don't place their faith in, in the true living triune God. And, uh, and, they seek to deal with their problems their own way. And why do we see such a diversity? Everyone's trying to come to God their way. Adam and Eve, even though they were hiding, in a sense, they were trying to appease God by covering themselves with fig leaves. They thought this would work. So people here, you know, they think, well, this might work. Our ancestors did this. This was handed down to us. We'll do that. We'll, we'll mutilate ourselves. We'll bloodlet. Today, in our context, in Whitehorse, Yukon, I have a question written here. What do people do today? What do people do in your circles? Um, these people are hoping in what they're doing with these you know, really physical things that are tied to a belief. What do people here um, put their hope in? Good works. What are some, what are some good works? Yeah, good works, uh, helping a lady, classic lady across the street. Why does that stand out all the time? (laughs) 
Yeah, feeding the poor. That's yeah, good work. Yeah. Yeah, kind. Yeah, kind gesture, whatever. A big one seems to be animals. Like just kind of going back a bit to last week, where Judy mentioned that funeral homes are getting a lot less. Uh, being an owner of a crematorium, animal cremations have done nothing but increase over the years, and so it's just like people's respect for people seems to diminish as as the choice to do more for pets and be more um, involved in, in saving pets, saving species, doing good for the animals seems to be such an increase. And so it's like people put their hope in, it's like, well, I'm doing a good work for an animal and equating an animal's on equal, if not above that of human life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Again, is that that kind of what Adam and Eve did in the garden there, of taking things into their own thinking, rearranging, reprioritizing what's what life is important, what life isn't important. Yeah. yeah. Well, how long happened? Uh, an old guy in a wheelchair across the street. That's what I did one. He couldn't wheel it very well because it was, it was all fall off the, off the sidewalk. The guy has two arms all day. It's not bad to do good things. Yeah. It's just that we put our hope in those for saving them. Yeah, that's not great. Right. Careers? Yeah. Careers? That's probably a big one here. The North has a lot of good careers. Like financial security. Yeah. I'll just do dollar figures because that can be the nest egg, the pension, the paycheck. Stocks. Stocks. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like this, they are my old age security, you know? And in the olden days, that was probably even more so, but. Pardon? Sorry. Isn't that why? Yeah, we have a big farm, of course. Yeah. Going to church. Going to church. You mean church doesn't save? Jesus saves. That's church. Yeah, no, I, I got you. Church, religion. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll just... don't save, it's Jesus that saves. Right? That's right. Some people didn't open that they were baptized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baptism saves. Uh, communion, confession, confession. <laughs> priest, pastor, reverend can save you. Yeah, anything tied up with religion in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, God is a genie. Kind of a thing, right? Like, yeah, rub the lamp, God, I need you now. Yeah. Yeah, are you putting your faith in a priest? We're going to build on that, yeah. Right. What about a big one today? Self, what about self help books? I was just thinking it's like me. I put my hope in me. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, right? In, in how. Yeah, get a good job so you can get the free space so that you can get, you know, that, that awesome life coach so you can get uh, that, that right whatever class, yoga, tai chi, you know, feng shui, karma, kegels, plyometrics, you know, whatever. If you can just get the right formula, what's working for you, get your probiotics, get your, you know, essential yeah, essential oils, barley green, you know, organic. Healthcare, yeah. 
Yeah. Pay it back, like kind of that karma, do well. The universe will take care of you. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, and it tied into that, can I say like, can I say like Mother Earth? It's like, you know, like, you take care of the river, it's the lifeblood, it'll, I mean, there's like nuggets of truth in there, but not, not in terms of like delivering you at the end of time. Mother Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Especially, especially where we see that people have been stripped of their culture. We're seeing that, or we're seeing yeah, this push. If we can revitalize the ancient ways, if we can get people back to that, that will fix every problem we're seeing today. And I was even reading something about traditional tattoos are coming back within certain Canadian groups. And, um, you know, just as... Right, but people are... In the Bible it says not to put tattoos on your body. Pride blinds and people are scrambling to find an answer. Well, I guess the way, the way for cultural revitalization is also just humanity in general. There's a lot of people that do put their hope in humanity. Yeah. It's just the idea of, oh, we as a human group can do it. Yeah, yeah. We can make a better place. Yeah. Yes, even science, right? Like, science will answer technology or... 30 years ago, uh, UFOs was really in this kind of... Yeah. The search and trying to send signals out to other space, looking for some sort of message back. That, that at that time, see, they were looking for some sort of... Well, you mentioned a force or whatever. Some sort of intelligence out there to come <coughs> Well, even water, they're just doing that just to find water. It's to hope to find life, to hope to find more answers, right, in these other places. Related to, to the last one, I say politics, people think that yeah. it's a little bit power of political progress. Or UFOs, the Sasquatches of the devil, hanging out to the devil, isn't it? Well, I mean, anything that's not. God's way, coming back to the source of his word, is going to be of the devil, as you say. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and there's more of this too, where it's like, you kind of even avoid that and say, well, there's just, we're intrinsically good. We don't even have to put our hope in anything. We're just good. There's that. I think this is why, you know, 4,000 some plus religions in our world today are constantly trying to find their own answers, find their own fig leaf, so to speak. Um, they don't see their need for God's mercy and grace. They're trying to find a solution. They know that everybody dies. They, they know there's some sort of unrest. It seems like a lot of places. Like even, even within Ethnos Canada, like when we go to a tribal context, there's no need to convince about a spiritual unrest. It's there. People know it. Um, and we're talking isolated groups. Isolated groups. They're not watching television. They're not reading books. A lot of these tribal places where we've been. Um, but again, they try to make whoever that bigger thing out there is, 
to accept them by their own efforts, whether it's, like I said, bloodletting or um, mutilation on their own terms as well, the way they think, they think is best. And the crazy thing is, as, as Satan masquerades as an angel of light, it amazes me how many times we see in these tribal contexts that every practice is to their detriment. Every practice they carry out that they think is to preserve them and get them back to that whatever was once better, it's all destructive. It's all destructive. And that's Satan. Destroy God's image bearers. Um, my wife's tribe where she grew up in Venezuela, um, if a baby, I don't know if I told this story already, but if a baby had any deformity, any, like it, it could even be like just like one ear that was different than the other, they believed that the, the woman was um, fertilized or whatever by a demon or an evil spirit. And so that baby would have, they lived on the savanna, and that baby would have sand poured down its mouth until it, until it aspirated. And, uh, and there was one story right close to when my father-in-law presented the gospel um, where this one woman who, who gave birth to a baby who had that very condition um, with its ear turned down, she, she didn't believe it anymore. But the old women still believed it. And, and they were, they were about, the baby was about getting ripped apart because she said no, and the rest were ripping the baby. And uh, somehow it came to be that she was able to keep the baby. The baby was all right. And, and today, that is one of their best preachers. One of their best Bible teachers in that tribe. And again, I see this, I saw this in Papua New Guinea um, where, you know, they believe they came from alligators. And so when, when boys came of age, they would bloodlet them and they would bloodlet them so severely that, that they were on death's door. But again, they thought that it would purify them and, and get things right again. It would get them strong again. And again, it's just Satan's deception, Satan's deception. But it's always people looking for that sort of righteousness but there's only one solution, and it's in God's deliverer. People are always going to be looking outside of themselves. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? God is just saying, come back to the source, the one who is there from beginning of time and before and will be there everlasting. Go to the source. Take it back to the word. What is God's, in conclusion, what is God's one and only ultimate provision for Adam and Eve? God's deliverer. God's deliverer, yeah. That he would send to set them free from the power of Satan's rule, from God's judgment and God's wrath, from their wages that they'd earned, their penalty of sin to the lake of fire. Yeah, the deliverer. You guys, I'm, I'm thankful that we have a God who knew about Adam and Eve's helpless predicament because we're no different. At the moment of their greatest need, which we share, he reached out to them to provide hope, to provide a promise, and his promise would provide complete and lasting rescue, restoration. God, in his amazing grace, began to reveal these details about the deliverer, and I believe he did this so that we too could know, that we too could know and come to him on his terms, not our terms, not our way, his way. And he put that in his word for us to study and know it and see it, the warnings everything. So are we going to buy into this? I mean, 
Some of us do, and some of us, it's just, it's sneaky. You know, the money thing. Just get a little bit. Like, I'm pretty good, but I got my nest egg. We, we know we can't stand on these, right? We know that there's only one thing that we can stand on, and that's life with God in His deliverer. So please, if you guys do hold on to any of these or others that you didn't want to bring up tonight or even pray through this this week, ask God, just a second please, ask God if there is something in your heart that you need to get out there and let the truth of his word wash your thinking to the true side of thinking, biblical thinking, not the lies of the world, not in Satan's masquerading of light. So let's destroy this. And, and don't be tempted in the week or in the months ahead to come back to these lies each week and open them up again, right? Don't be tempted. Because that is the temptations. We've got to continually go back and wash our minds with the Word. Can I share something? On my dad's side, I don't know if it's on my dad's side or my mom's side, I don't know if he's sure, but my dad or my brother Dennis told me that, uh, that, uh, that my dad had a that his, his, his great-great-granddad was a, an Iroquois guy, Iroquois of the tribes in, the, in, the, the, in, in Alberta, no, in, the, in Quebec, somewhere, hmm. the old tribes, I don't know what it was. Hmm, crazy, that's Shrink, interesting. Witch, must have been witchcraft or some strange thing. I don't know, we can talk more about that ancestral, later, but... Ancestral stuff. I mean, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where we come from. Our our inheritance is death and Adam. That that's what we inherit. So our predicament's the same. Um, and I'll ask you guys: What are we putting our faith in? What are you putting your faith in? What are you putting your hope in? Don't worry about, you know, your great great grandfather, whatever. Don't worry about your spouse or your kids. Where do you guys put your hope? Is it in God's deliverer, or is it in yourself? You don't have to answer it out loud to me. And just, yeah, let's just be in worship. How thankful that God, in his grace and mercy, provided, well, we know the rest of the story, but he talks of the promise of a deliverer for all of mankind. What truths are you guys going to hold on to this week? What are you going to go forward with? What's new to you? And what beliefs do you need to reject? What ones do you need to ask God? Show me, God. Examine me. Search my heart. Tell me if there is any way that leads me in offense against you. And reject it. So again, for many of you guys know the Deliverer, but consider those who don't, especially this season of Christmas. The Deliverer was born. Many people are still lost in their bondage to sin and Satan. They're doomed in a lake of, to go to the lake of fire, right? In eternity, just like those, those sticks, those uh, toothpicks. There's not enough to mark how long that would be. And consider how you guys can start sharing these truths that you're learning, right? unpacking it for people. Tell them the good news of God's story with them. Tell them of his promise and that they have a hope. There's a deliverer who not only was going to come, who came. And we get to celebrate in this Christmas. And, and that Sunday is something to celebrate. Yeah, Brian? Are we going to be talking about, about uh, King of the Eagle next week? Uh, not yet. Well, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Um, you see their picture kind of two more along there, the end of the second row, or however you say that. So there you have it. We, we unpacked uh, God's judgment. We unpacked 
the promise of his coming deliverer, that God is faithful. We talked about sin. Sin is a debt that's earned, and we're going to continue forward with these sin debt strings, and we're going to be uh, incorporating them even into our life. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're going to go talking about sin debt wages going forward. Um, what else did I have that I wanted to make sure it came about? You guys were so quiet again tonight. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We'll start, yeah, we'll start into it. Andrew, will you, did I see you craning? Awesome. Well, that's it, guys. Um, I can close this in prayer. We're done a little earlier than usual tonight, so hang out if you wish. We can go to Timothy's if you want afterwards. <laughs> God, it is it's so good to just know the truth of your word. Lord, we can't just be talking about this for other people. We want to be talking about this for ourselves for each of us individually. And God, I'm not just sharing this for everybody here. I just say it for myself as well. Lord, may you just wash us with your word. May you um, impact our thinking, not just our thinking, may you drop it down to our hearts. And may that just play itself out in our hands, in our, in our speech, in our actions, and where our feet take us. And God, may we glorify you as we look to your deliverer as the one means of rescue. Nothing that we do, but all what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I was at Tim Hortons a while ago. There was a guy praying in there on, on one table. He was praying like this, you know? He was praying. Um, one more thing. Last Next week, I was thinking would be...